So, at the end of this, Moses gets the instruction from, from God to take his staff to go back to Egypt to uh, liberate the people there through his interactions with Moses. He's going to equip him, he's going to empower him, and he's going to uh, and, and, and he's going to be with him as he goes and undertakes that task. Now, what's interesting about this to me is that every Moses movie, and there's been more movies made about Moses than, than pretty much any other Bible story and almost any story ever. It's just been a constant figure in a hundred in the last hundred years or so uh, of film. We love this story. Then every Moses movie has the scene, and every Moses story that's told has the burning bush scene in it. But the next scene is not there for the most part. We just kind of skip over it and ignore it. And uh, and I find that very interesting that we that we just skip over it. In fact, a lot of preachers I looked for other sermons about this passage. And they don't tend to be there. Most pastors just skip this altogether because it's an in-between time story. If something weird happens, something uncomfortable happens, but there's, but there's, uh, it, but there's some uh, strangeness that happens. And it's easy to ignore the next scene that we're going to talk about today because it's a transition scene. But uh, nothing hugely major happens that impacts the plot of the story, but... but but it, it's integral, and, and we have to believe that God put it there intentionally. And I think that we ought to pay attention to the, old, to the whole story of Moses, including the transition uh, uh, scenes, because we ought to pay attention to, to the whole of our story as well, including the transition scenes. Many of us are looking for these burning bush moments. Many of us are looking for these splitting of the Red Sea moments. Many of us are looking for rivers being turned to blood, those kind of major scene moments. But the reality is, when we do that, when we only focus on these major emotional experiences, when we only focus on these major events, when we only focus on the, the absolute heights of human experience, we ignore vast chunks of our lives. And we assume that nothing is happening in those vast chunks of our lives, when in reality, I believe that God is communicating in those small transition scenes over and over and over and over again. God is speaking then and there, and it is important for us to pay attention in those times as well. So we're going to see where these hiccups come in. So, immediately after he goes, God sends him out, says, go grab your staff, you're going to go. So Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt and see if any of them are still alive. And Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord said, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go that he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. And I want us to, this is a transition scene, nothing big is happening here, no new information is being revealed, but there's a lot of really important things happening here. That, that Moses gets this call from the Lord, and the immediate things that happens is he goes to his father-in-law Jethro, and he gets the support of his family. And the next thing that happens is he finds out that God says to him, go back to Egypt, all those who wanted to kill you were dead. He finds that God has paved the way and cleared the path in order for him to do what God has called him to do. 
And then God repeats the promise that he made to him. He says, he says, go perform all the wonders I have given you the power to do. Do what I told you to do. I, Pharaoh's going to work against you, but I will work in the heart of Pharaoh. He repeats the promise. And not only does he repeat the promise that he's been given beforehand, he foreshadows what to come. That Pharaoh's heart will be hardened and that, and that God will end up taking Pharaoh's firstborn son. All of this is just happening in the transition period. All of this is just happening in this period that we often ignore because we just had the big event. We're looking forward to the big event. And in the meantime, we're just like, oh, we can just skip all that. But I want us to be honest about this ourselves and all of the things that we've been called to do and all of the difficult issues that we're facing. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be wonderful for you to have and discover the support of your family? Wouldn't you love to hear that God has cleared the obstacles out of your way in order for you to do what he has called you to do? Wouldn't you love to hear that God is repeating the promises that he's made to you? I will be with you. I will guide you. I will put my words in your mouth. You will have power. You will have, you will be my witnesses. Wouldn't it be lovely to hear God repeat those promises to you over and over again? Wouldn't it not be nice to have some foreshadowing of what is to come? Wouldn't it be nice to have some sense of how God is going to accomplish his hand, uh, what he has at hand? And I want to suggest to you that if those things seem like things that you would like to happen in your life, then perhaps we ought not to skip over our everyday life and pretend that, the, that, that, that our transition scenes are insignificant places where God is not speaking to us. I'm going to suggest to you that maybe we ought to pay attention to our transition scenes as much as we pay attention to our large events because God is speaking to us in them now. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you now in this mundane transition time between big events and big events. God is speaking to you now just as he was speaking to Moses. And I think we ought to make it a habit. We ought to make it a habit to listen to God now and say, in this time when it seems like there's nothing going on, what ought I to be doing? What ought I to be hearing? What ought I to be listening to? How are you paving the way? Because God is not removing himself from the picture and saying, okay, you're on your own now. I got some other stuff to do. God is constantly speaking to us. And, the, and this listening to the Lord becomes incredibly, incredibly important. And paying attention to what he's called us to do is incredibly, incredibly important because we're going to see the consequences of what happens next. Because at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Now, this is probably why most pastors don't preach on this passage, because we have no idea why God was about to kill Moses. <laughs> We're never given a clear statement because God was mad at him for this thing. But we have something going on here that along the way, God has become so frustrated with Moses that, 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 that he's about to end his life and restart the plan uh, for the liberation of Israel. But if we continue with the whole passage, we get a much clearer picture of what's going on. That at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But, but Zipporah, that's Moses' wife, took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. 
Surely you were a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. And at that time she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. So, while not specifically and clearly stated, it doesn't say, and this is why God did this, I think it's fair to us to say that God desired Moses to circumcise his sons, and he hadn't. Circumcision was, a, was a, an old tradition that went way back before the Israelites were in Egypt. Moses would have been circumcised himself on the eighth day before he went to uh, live with Pharaoh. Moses would have been marked in that way. Moses would have been, the expectation of Moses was going to continue with his people was that he would circumcise his son as well, and his sons as well, and he hadn't. So this is a Hebrew custom that God had, that Moses had not fallen up to, uh, followed up on while he was a stranger in a strange land. And, and while it doesn't say it explicitly, I think it's, it's good for us to pay attention to, and I think it's fair for us to say that given the character of God that we see elsewhere, and the stubbornness of Moses that we've already seen, because Moses has already tried to back out of this interaction with God in every way that he tried, that Moses displays throughout the previous burning bush scene, that God had specifically given Moses instructions, you need to circumcise your sons. 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 And Moses didn't do it, and then God got frustrated. God had told him to do this, and Moses had not. And the reason why I think it's important for us to pay attention during the transition scenes is sometimes we get so caught up in the loving character of God that we forget that we, we're dealing with Almighty God. And there are consequences for ignoring Him. And I want to restate and make this abundantly clear for everyone that is listening because I think that this is incredibly important that God is a God of love and God is a God of creation and beauty and justice and freedom. And God is a God who is relentlessly seeking us. And God is a God who is relentlessly trying to rescue us from the traps that we've created for ourselves in sin. And God is pursuing us in every way. And God is on our side. And God does not have a heart of anger toward us. And God is not and, and, and God is not uh, desiring to just destroy us, but the reality that we often forget, specifically in very comfortable or, uh, North America, is that God is not to be trifled with. And if God is speaking with you and telling you to do something, you'd best do it. Because the consequences of not doing it are incredibly, incredibly serious. God is not satisfied with us ignoring him. God is not satisfied with us pushing his instructions to the side over and over again because they're inconvenient or because they are uncomfortable. God is not to be trifled with and God is not to be ignored. But God was satisfied in the fact that this thing was done and it was taken care of in this very quick vignette. Yeah. And what we see next is that the Lord is, is that the Lord said to Aaron, Moses' brother, go into the wilderness and meet your brother. And Moses meets his brother. So we met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had told him to say and about the signs that he had commanded him to perform. And it's fascinating that after this scene, this scene where, Moses, where God's like, okay, I'm going to have to kill you now. Okay, we're fine now. You can just go ahead and do what you're going to do. You know, we, it's, it's a, I can understand why most pastors don't preach on it. In some ways, I wish that I wasn't the completest and had to, to get this in. 
But the reality is, I think what this story is telling us is that we need to pay attention in the, in the meantime. And that even though God's anger will burn against us, that doesn't mean that when we repent, when we do what he has called us to do, that he will not be on our side going into the future. And in the same way, and what's important to pay attention in the transition scenes is the foreshadowing. Because God's wrath at Moses was satisfied in the shed blood of his son's circumcision. The wrath of God was satisfied. And God placed himself in the exact same situation where for our sins, for our separation from God, that the wrath of God was satisfied in his own son's shed blood on the cross. And it's the foreshadowing and the transition scenes that points us into the things that we ought to pay attention to. So even as Moses' sons took the brunt of his sin, God sent his son to take the brunt of our sin. And it's that that we remember, and it's that that we celebrate, and it's that that we are grateful for and thankful for as we come to this table. And as we gather at this table, as we take some time to prepare ourselves for it, I would like you to think and pray about what things God has been calling you to that you are ignoring. What things God is instructing you to do that you have pushed aside because they're uncomfortable or inconvenient. And in what way God is now calling you to restore yourself to him by doing it, by being obedient to what he has called us to do and, and partaking in the, in the grace and the rescue that has been offered in the, in the body and the blood of Jesus. So we'll take a few moments to pray in silence.